All right, can we give uh, God some praise just for the amazing rain that we had this morning? It's funny, I was talking to Elliot, and then Elliot's actually sitting over here, and he's like, oh, man, I'm kind of wet. And I'm like, you don't look, you're not wet, you're refreshed. So uh, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them, wow, you look refreshed this morning. So if you don't know who I am, I'm a loud Filipino that loves Jesus. I was saved pretty much at a club in San Diego. Long story short, God just completely changed my life. Stopped drinking, smoking, doing the whole nine. But I want to start off this message as we are in part three of our series, Wrapped in Love. And I kind of want to just share something that me and my wife do whenever it rains. And I don't, know, I don't know if you do this with your loved one or your friends or your family, but usually we end up just sitting on the couch and we end up Netflix and, and chilling. But we don't, I mean, we can Netflix and chill because we're married. But, <laughs> hence, married. Hey, who's married in the house? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. That's a gift of God. Come on, somebody. But that's not my message this morning. We're probably going to talk about that next year. But we end up kind of just sitting on the couch and we watch either a television series or we watch a movie. And one of the television series that we actually started watching was this series titled Limitless. Everyone say Limitless. Limitless. It's by Chris Hemsworth. And I don't know if you know who he is, but he played Thor in the Avengers, this guy. And uh, sometimes people tell me I look like the Filipino Thor. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Not at all. Not at all. I wish I did. Even, not even my wife says that. But anyways, <laughs> so actually Chris Hemsworth kind of walks through this series titled Limitless. And just a quick synopsis of this series, he's, it pretty much shows him on a pursuit of a life of longev, longev, longevity or just a long life. And he wants to be youthful. And he does, he does these things where throughout six different episodes, he focuses on how to deal with stress, on how to actually help your body become healthy, where it builds more antibodies so you can live a longer life, even working on your memory so he can love and just kind of like take care and just have fun with his kids when he's older. So at the end of the day, he's trying to pursue a life that lasts forever. But the crazy thing about it is that when you get to episode six, it's actually titled acceptance. Everyone say acceptance. And when we say acceptance, it's actually acceptance of the fact that we cannot live a limitless life here on earth. Because in episode six, he ends up going to this place called, I think it's called Sunny Isles. It's like a retirement home. And pretty much what he does is he spends about, I think it's like a week or two weeks there. And they actually give him this suit. And then on this suit, as you can see, there's different like sort of resistance bands here. And what it does, it restricts his movements because it actually means, it actually helps him kind of see how it feels when you're older, when your muscles decay, when moving around is kind of harder. And then even on the glasses that he has, it actually messes up his vision and makes it more blurry. So it actually gives him the fuller experience of the aging process. But as he's going through it, he's playing bingo, and you can even show some of the other photos here of what he's doing. So as you can see, he's just practicing by just kind of doing what older people would usually do, is kind of go on their little Mario Kart and drive around. And then you can also go to the next one. And then he actually is, if you see on the next picture, he'll be playing ping pong, literally with his suit that he has. And it's not there, but I'll go ahead and show you what he does. He just goes, huh, huh. Huh. But he does it with an older guy, and he gets kind of smashed. But at first, it's kind of a joke. But then as you see throughout the rest of the experiment, he begins to start thinking about the end of his own life and how that'll feel. But not just his own life, but also the end of the life of the people that he loves, his kids, his wife, his family members. And he begins to see that what he's seeing right then and there, he's looking death right in the face, and he sees, wow, 
No matter how much we try to prevent the aging process by taking care of our body, by going outdoors, by dealing with our stress, at the end of the day, he realized that we will all hit that time clock where we will see death. Everyone say death. And I know that some of you are saying like, wow, wow, you're going to really preach a message on death. I thought it's Christmas. I thought it's joyful. Don't worry. It will be. But the crazy thing about it is that he realized that there was actually physical health benefits that happens when you accept the fact that we will not live forever here on earth. And as Christians, we should also see that as the reality that we're not meant to live here forever. But the amazing thing about it is that we're not meant to live here forever. We're meant to live in heaven in eternity with Jesus. Can I get an amen from everybody in the dang house? And, it's, and, and it was crazy to me to see that because he's not a Christian, but as I was even reflecting on it, I, I realized that even for myself as a Christian, sometimes I look at the word death and I see it as a negative connotation and I don't, and I like to run away from it. But what I realize is that death is not termination, but death is the transition where you spend the rest of your life in eternity in heaven with God where it's so much better than this world. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and dive into that. But Christmas is meant to represent, obviously, the birth of Jesus Christ. He paid the price we couldn't pay. He died the death we should have died. But he gives us this gift that we call eternal salvation or eternal life. And that's why the message for this morning is titled, Unwrapping Eternal Life. So let's go ahead and pray as we get started. Lord, we come before you right now, and God, we pray just right now that you just prepare all of our hearts for this message. God, it's not just about hearing a message from a preacher or hearing some content or, or even just hearing some scripture, but it's about really experiencing your power and your presence here on this earth right now. So God, I pray for every single person that is in here, every single person that's tuning in online, and I pray that you just allow all of us to have our hearts softened and our minds humbled so that we can receive the word that you have for us as we talk about the gift, not the curse, of eternal life. So God, we just pray for you to do something amazing and miraculous in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So as we have been titled, or as we've been in this series titled Wrapped in Love, first one was talk about being born in love, and then we also talked about even experiencing transformation in Jesus and seeing the power and the significance of a transformed life, uh, literally seeing Lazarus coming out of the tomb, but now we're going to be talking about how the transformation that we experience in this life is actually meant to be preparation for the life that we will live in eternity. So we're going to go ahead and unpack this passage for this morning. And this passage comes from John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. So let's go ahead and get started. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And just to give you some context, he's bringing a word of comfort to them. Because right before chapter 14, in chapter 13, he lets them know of his departure that's going to happen from departing earth into heaven. Or in other words, he's going to die, and he tells his disciples that. So let's go ahead and read through this, and let's silence my phone in Jesus' name. So now, do not let your hearts be troubled. Everyone say troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's going to be a few truths that we're going to extrapolate and pull from this passage. And the first one is this, is that Jesus calls us to believe in him. Everyone say believe. believe. And, we're, and we're going to look at John chapter 14, verse 1, where it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Troubled, there's, it's also the Hebrew Greek word is, I think it's tenasso. And literally what it means is it means to be agitated or to have distress or to be overwhelmed. And like I said, in chapter 13 of John, he literally, the disciples heard from their teacher, their rabbi, the person that they love and the person that loved them saying, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this earth and I'm going to go to a place you can't go to yet. So imagine, just imagine, put yourself in the disciples' shoes and imagine if somebody that you looked at as, as a family member, as a loved one, as your teacher, as the savior of the world, and imagine they just told you, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to depart from here. I'm going to leave this earth and you can't come with me. And there's no other words of consolation or comfort from there until we get to chapter 14. So when you hear that, you would probably get some anxiety, some distress. You'd probably be fearful, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? So that was where the disciples were. But Jesus is saying this. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And some theologians say that this is an imperative statement. Or in other words, it's a command where he's saying, believe in me, even if you're anxious, even in a situation where it's uncertain, put the trust in the one that can be certain of your future. And that's me. And I feel like Jesus wants, that's a word for all of us, is how many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt overwhelmed by fear, anxiety, stress, or anything of that sort? Raise your hand. I'm raising both of my hands. If I could raise up my feet, I would raise them up too, but I can't float, I can't levitate. Maybe in our series Miracles, maybe that'll happen, but that's not going to happen now. But all of us have been in that place where the disciples were. So as I'm even reading this scripture, I want all of us to put ourselves in that situation because he brings a word of comfort. But we have to remember that in times of trouble, all we tend to see is trouble. When in times of adversity, we tend to focus on just the adversity. When there are negative things in our life, we tend to just focus on the negative and the affairs and adversity of this life can consume us and we long to find refuge and believe that things can and will change. But it's in these times that Jesus said to believe in him. And I wasn't going to share this, but I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to actually share this. I don't know if you heard about it, but this past week, there was this guy named Stephen Twitch Boss. And if you don't know who he is, he was actually a famous dancer. And I know that Pastor Tim dances. I used to dance as well. I was in a little talent show back in the day. I was in a dance crew, movement lifestyle studio. But I knew who he was. And actually, one of my favorite movies of all time was, was, uh, was You Got Served. I don't know if you know, remember with Omarion and even and all these other people. And the dude was like, yo, y'all stole, stole all our moves. And he's like, nah, you just mad because y'all got served. But... <laughs> In that movie, he was in there, but also he was on So You Think You Can Dance. He was also the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and he was a person that made a lot of TikToks of him and his wife, and they would literally just exude all this so-called joy that it looked like, all this happiness that they kind of exuded. But unfortunately, just this past week, we found out that he actually committed suicide this past week, left his family, left his wife. But at the end of the day, I'd be like, as, as I heard about that, for one, it broke my heart. Because, because at the end of the day, now a wife and, a, and kids are left without a loving father. But I was kind of startled and surprised because if you look at the exterior and you look at his social media and you look at everything that he posts, 
He has the perfect life. He looks happy. He looks like he has every reason to not be depressed, to not have mental issues. And if you would see him, you would be like, this guy's good. This guy's living the life. This guy got it all. This guy is the most happiest person on earth. But the question is, I asked myself and I asked God, I'm like, God, why did somebody like this end up committing suicide? And they didn't give all the exact information. But what I realized is that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on the circumstances and the, and the happenings around you. But yet the joy is actually based on the knowledge that we have that the presence of the Lord is with us in every single situation of our lives. And what I remembered is that when he, when he committed suicide, I even thought about times where even when I was depressed, there were points where, where before I knew Jesus, it was hard to even hold on. But I was asking myself, what if he just held on to the hope that there are going to be better days? What if he held on to the hope that there is an eternal life in heaven that's a lot better than the world that we're living in? What if he held on to the hope that God is still on the throne and Jesus still loves him and still died for him so that he can save him? What if he held on to that hope? And now my question is, how many of us are actually struggling those silent battles? How many of us are fighting through those battles where we put on a face and say everything's cool, but in reality is we're fighting a difficult battle and challenge in our life that we don't want to tell anyone because we're so ashamed. But the reason why I bring that up is because when, when, when Jesus says believe in him, it means believe in him in all situations. In situations when things are great, in situations when things are hard, in situations when things are all in the middle, Jesus is calling all of us to believe in him even when we are troubled, anxious, agitated, or distressed. And then now my second point, and the second truth that we're going to pull from this, is that for those who believe, Jesus has prepared a place in heaven. John chapter 14 verse 2 says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So in this moment, we can see that Jesus is shifting the disciples' attention, and it's saying, stop looking at the things that are on earth and look above. In Colossians, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Because when you die, because when you gave your life to Christ, your old self died, and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Jesus returns in his glory, you, your glory will be revealed in his life as well. But in this moment, he's saying, shift your attention from what's happening here to actually what's beyond. And the amazing thing about it is that we can know and believe and see that for those who believe, Jesus has prepared many rooms. And when he talks about this house, it's not a real, literal house, but the house actually represents heaven. Everyone say heaven. heaven. Say heaven again. Heaven. Say heaven again. Heaven. I don't think we talk about heaven enough, but in that moment when he talks about the rooms in the house, he says that is an assigned dwelling place for the people that believe in God. And he says, I'm preparing a place for you. And even as I was thinking about this simple but also profound truth, I was reminded of when me and my wife were trying to book an Airbnb earlier this week. And we're actually going to go to Joshua Tree um, right after Christmas, and we're super excited about that. But when we tried to book the Airbnb that we were looking at, we literally looked maybe three days later after the first time that we saw it. And then right, right when we looked at it, it said it was reserved and somebody else took it because we didn't book it early enough. 
But as I was thinking about this is that that is not going to happen with our specific place in heaven because Jesus says, I already prepared a place for you. Nobody else can take it. Nobody else can reserve it before you, but it's also personalized specifically for you. It's personally personally specified and prepared for Chanel, for Julie, for Cindy, for even for Paul. And all these people that I'm saying are just people that believe in Jesus. But also, I want to say that Jesus wants to prepare a place for you. So now, as he prepares a place for the many, he prepares a place for us personally, but the reality of a home in heaven tomorrow brings hope on earth today. Again, clinging on to the hope, not the hope that's based on the present, but the hope that is based on the future. The hope that is not based on the now, but the hope that is based in the time that is to come, where we're going to spend eternity, which means forever, and we're going to spend it in God's presence forever. And that's why in, God's, in, in heaven, God's presence will be there. And that's why the third truth is being in heaven means also being with him. Everyone say him. That's Jesus. Because Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 3, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then two subpoints that I want to pull from this is that beyond our eternal home and house, it's more about his pers- person and his presence. And then Jesus here literally says that he will bring us to himself. And then even just from this point, I was even thinking about it, is that how many of you have a spouse? And how many of you feel sad when your spouse is on a trip or they're not at home or they're not there? Hey, I love how you see you put it up real fast. Bro, you should have put it up faster than your wife. Come on, man. But, but at the end of the day, what I realized is as I was reflecting on this truth is that just like a, a, house, with, a house with the spouse makes it a home, God's presence in heaven makes it heaven. You know what I mean? Because, because at the end of the day, it's home is where the heart is, and our heart is always with the one that we love the most, correct? So the fact that Jesus and God, God's presence is going to be there, we get to spend eternity with him forever. Now, when we talk about eternity, a lot of us think like, oh, what does that even mean? It means forever. But the thing is, is that all of us are going to live forever. All of us are going to live for eternity. But the question is, once we leave earth and we go to the other side of eternity, the question is, where are we going to go? There's only two options. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And I know that a lot of people don't like to talk about that truth, but that's the reality. That is the reality of the gospel that we live. And if we don't focus on that truth, then we're focusing on a half-hearted, incomplete gospel. But check this out. It says, literally hell is just a place that is eternally separated from God. Heaven is a place where you get to spend eternity with God. That's the only, that's the main difference. And hell is, wasn't even made for us. Hell was made for Satan and his demons because he's going to throw them into the lake of fire. You literally look into the book of Revelations. There's going to be a time where, all of, where every tear will be wiped away. Sin will be vanquished. Evil will be gone forever. And even when I think about this awesome and amazing truth of the future, I just think about Lord of the Rings and literally when all the orcs are destroyed and then, and then Gandalf comes in with the army and there's just this amazing light and radiance that comes in. Literally, I see that as the ending to our amazing story where, where evil is finally vanquished forever and for eternity and goodness and amazingness and God and we reign with him and we live with him forever. I don't know about you, but that fires me up. If that fires you up, let me hear you say amen. amen. And then now the last point is this. Only through Jesus do we have access. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in this last truth, we see that Jesus is the one who made us, and he's the one that knows us. And it's only through Jesus that we gain access into the Father's house. It's only through Jesus that we gain access into heaven. It's only through Jesus that we can be reconciled to the Father. So it's only through Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. So the only way to heaven is through him. But this begins as we believe him and receive him to believe and also through humble, dependent surrender. And honestly, God will sometimes allow trouble to reveal the reality of eternity. And I wasn't even going to share this either, but I think we have some time. Um, There was a moment actually when I was 17 years old. And I actually played football um, over at my high school. I wasn't amazing. I mean, obviously, I'm Filipino. You usually don't see many Filipinos in the NFL. But, but, but when I was playing football, it was actually my, uh, my best friend Jimmy's birthday. And he turned 18. And then at that same time, my parents decided to go to Las Vegas, the Ninth Island, to kind of just go on a vacation. And at that time, obviously, I'm a 17-year-old kid, so what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to hold a Bible study, and we're all going to praise and love Jesus. Obviously not, because obviously I didn't believe in Jesus, and I was 17 years old. So I threw what most kids do, and I threw a party at my house. And at that moment, when I threw the party, I don't know if you guys ever seen this movie called Project X, but, but just to let you know, Project X is a movie where it's a bunch of Neanderthals and teenagers that just throw the greatest party bash that you could ever see of all time. Cars going to the pool, literally people jump off off the DJ, and it's going crazy. But the party that I had, it wasn't like Project X, but it was like Project Lex. And at that point, it was such a fun and joyous time until we woke up the next day. And then if we woke up the next day, and when I woke up, literally, me and my friends were saying, oh, this is going to be the party of the year. Everyone's going to be talking about this. We're leaving a legacy, not the right legacy, but, but we're, like, we're going to leave a legacy. And then what I didn't expect was I was going to, I, I didn't expect that I was going to get a phone call from my friend Claudia. And when she called me, she was in tears. And she was crying and weeping. And I'm like, Claudia, what happened? And she said, you know what happened? Salvador died. Sal died. And if you don't know, and you don't know who Sal is, Sal is the guy who I went to middle school with. Sal was the center. He played nose literally on our football team. He was about 6'3". I think he weighed about 250 pounds, all-state wrestler. And this guy had a future. But he ended up going to my party and drank way too much to the point where he got alcohol poisoning and he passed away. And I remember at that point in my life, I myself literally saw death right in the face. And I saw that life is so fragile and that it is temporary. But when I saw that moment, even before I came to know Jesus, my best friend, Sean, who's not a believer, he asked me, he asked me the question, do you know what would have happened? Or do you think that you would still be the same person if that situation didn't happen in your life? And I'm going to tell you, no, probably not. Because what I realized right in that moment is that every life is precious and tomorrow is never promised. But at the end of the day, when I asked, why did it happen to him and not me? And God said, because he already did all his work. But now it's time for you to take what he had, bring in the joy and serving your neighbor and loving the people around you and sharing Jesus with them. Because now you got to have the eternal mindset, knowing that we're not living for today, but we are living for eternity. But see, in that moment, that was a real moment for me, but I realized that it brought this new level of seriousness about life where I realized that in every single moment, we should take advantage of every single moment. 
Because the lie that the enemy wants to give us, saying that you always, the lie, he says, is that you always have tomorrow. The lie is that there's always next year. There's always next month. There's always maybe even the next hour. Because how many of you, and I don't want, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know there are some people who might have lost someone or might have lost a loved one. But the thing that I want to share with you today is because I don't want to just leave it here. I want to bring us up because of the truth of the word of God and the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is that because of Jesus, he gives us this gift of eternal life. Where we know that the people that we love, that love Jesus, that believe in Jesus, that we will see them again in heaven forever. Not just for 80 years, not just for 90 years, not just for 100 years. But we will see them forever at the wedding feast with Jesus and all of our loved ones. So even in this moment, I know that some of you are probably having some loved ones in your mind that you might have lost, and you're like, dang it, I miss them. But the amazing thing about it is that you can hold on to the truth, is that you will see them again. They believe in Jesus. Because we will live for eternity. We will live forever. But this moment and this time in the present is just preparation for what is to come. We will live in eternity with God. And I want to go ahead and close with this story of my mom. And my mom's mom. And with my mom and my mom's mom, obviously, some of you have heard that my mom was healed from COVID-19, and it was a miraculous healing. It was amazing. But my grandma, who passed away a few months ago, she, she passed away. I think she was about maybe 81, 82. But in that moment, it was cool because I got to do the celebration of life for her, and I got to just preach this message on mourning with purpose but what, but what I didn't expect was the ministry moment that I had with my moms when I actually went out to L.A. Because as we were sitting down, she was telling me, she was like, Lexon, I had this, I had this dream. And I was like, what kind of dream did you have? And he was, like, he was like, oh, I had this dream of grandma. And literally in this dream, she was dressed in all white. And she was literally glowing with this everlasting glory that I, could, like, I couldn't even see her because the light was reflecting so bright off of her. And I remember in this dream, for some reason, I was anxious. I was distressed. I was overwhelmed. I was in a rush. I wanted to get her to this funeral, even though she was already passed away. But she told me this phrase that really stuck with me, son. And she said, daughter, I'm okay. I'm okay. And why is that so significant, the fact that she said that she was okay? is because five years before she passed, she, was, she, she had so many ailments and physical illnesses where she had to have a colostomy bag and things of that sort that every day she said she was not okay. Every day she was in so much pain, and every time my mom would say, is there anything we can do? And she said, no, you don't understand. I am not okay, and nobody understands. But in that moment when she saw that vision in her dream and she saw her mom, and her mom said, daughter, I'm okay. I am literally okay, and I'm better than okay. Because she left from this world to the next. She was a devout follower of Christ. She was a Seventh-day Adventist, but she loved Jesus all the time, always prayed for us, always gave us lickings when we were sinning, and she kind of corrected us. But at the end of the day, my mom saw the truth of this message. She saw the power and the image of an ever-essent glory of our future in heaven with God. And the only way we can get there is through Jesus.